welcome to the first episode of Electric Sheep, the brand new podcast brought to you by Hoxton Handmade. Contrary to what the title might lead you to believe, uh, this won't be a collection of musings on the life of Dolly the cloned sheep, uh, nor will it be a retrospective on the work of Philip K. Dick. Uh, Rather, it's a podcast about knitting and uh, about the world of knitting online. Um, And interspersed amongst that will be some general rambling, I expect. Um, So uh, it's quite a a broad canvas, but um, I think uh, we'll just see where it goes. It's a bit of an experiment at this point. Um, I should point out I'm also working with some fairly low-tech equipment, so fingers crossed it all works, but uh, it's still a bit of a, uh, an experiment at this stage. Um, and uh, all the details of anything I talk about, of a website or uh, website addresses and all that sort of information um, will be on the blog with the podcast, so don't worry about writing anything down if there's something that sparks your interest. Um, But to kick us off with, I thought I should perhaps explain why on earth I'm doing a podcast in the first place. Does the world really need another knitting podcast? Well, quite frankly, no. At least not in the way that it needs a renewable energy source, or a solution to the Israeli-Palestine conflict, or a decent pop contender for the Eurovision Song Contest. Nevertheless, here I am, and I hope you will forgive my presence. If it's any consolation, my technical skills, or lack thereof, make it entirely possible that these ramblings will never see the light of day, or indeed hear the sleek oral nirvana of an iPod, but I'll give it my best shot. I've been blogging over at Hoxton Handmade since last summer, cursed by an internet connection with all the speed and efficiency of a blind, arthritic octogenarian at a zebra crossing. In spite of this handicap, it has given me a glorious window into a world of knitterly delights. It has also, perhaps more importantly, led to my discovery of real live knitters in the flesh. In order to understand the significance and unadulterated joy of this revelation, perhaps you will indulge me a moment and allow me to take you back a few years. When I was about seven years old, my grandmother taught me to knit. I mean that quite literally. I learnt knit stitches and that was it. Within a few days, I promptly discarded my new knitting kit and miniature red plastic needles in favour of the more pressing concerns in my life. My attempts to emotionally blackmail my parents into giving me a Cabbage Patch doll. My ongoing campaign to both physically and mentally torture my younger brother into submission. My determination to work out exactly how the Golden Labrador puppy with the toilet tissue fixation from the Andrex commercial could be mine. All mine. Years later, as a teenager, the knitting briefly resurfaced. Like a KGB submarine that has no idea the Cold War has ended and has been bobbing around the Arctic Circle unsuspecting of the futility of its own existence, my knitting skills came back into play. This was for the aforementioned younger brother who, during a brief armistice, commissioned a Doctor Who scarf, as worn by Tom Baker in the eponymous television series. I had progressed to stripes by this point, but otherwise it was still garter stitch all the way. All the way down all the way down eight feet of Gallifreyan woolly goodness. Years later still, having graduated from university and now living with two friends in the east end of London, I returned to the Needles. I don't remember why. I do remember that I was awful. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. But since when has that ever stopped anybody? 
I could knit garter stitch rectangles, goddammit, and I was convinced there was a way of making these into the most fabulous sweater, if only I could figure out a clever way of sewing them together. As my efforts continued to yield the most ridiculous results, I'm sure I would have eventually lost interest. Except. Except that my friend Emily gave me a book. A copy of Stitch and Bitch. And life was forever changed. I learned to purl, to knit in the round, to calculate gauge. Hell, the fact that gauge even existed in the first place. At the time, I doubt Emily or I were aware of the significance of this gift. We had no way of knowing how an innocent pastime would, in would evolve into a full-blown obsession. And yet somehow, five years later, here we are. But throughout the majority of those five years, I have been the only member of my acquaintance who knits. Excepting a wonderful aunt, but then she's from my parents' generation and therefore doesn't entirely count when one is trying not to feel like a blind, arthritic octogenarian at a zebra crossing. You see, I have somehow become the twenty-something training to be a grandma. The friend with the quirky hobby. And it doesn't matter how many articles The Guardian print on the crafting revolution, or that Sarah Jessica Parker and Russell Crowe are avid knitters, or that there are guerrilla knitters working in a gender of anarchy with nothing but their bamboo needles and the power of wool behind them. The image of a grandma with her white hair in a bun, a tartan rug over her knees, rocking in her chair by the fire as she knits away on an afghan the size of whales, persists. So starting a blog and joining my local group of knitters has been a revelation. I am not alone. And my years of exploring knitting online have brought forth other joyful discoveries, from the thousands of ravelers to the hundreds of knitting bloggers to the dozens of knitting podcasts. The latter group, however, did appear to be somewhat dominated by the Americans. Even podcasts from the UK, like the wonderful Cast On, are narrated by an American. So this is also my attempt to give a little Anglophilia back to the knitting. Elizabeth Zimmerman may have headed out west, but she started out here. You might say that this is my own, very small, contribution to the rich history of British knitting. So here I am, jumping on the podcasting bandwagon and looking forward to the journey. So, as I was saying in the introduction, the idea with Electric Sheep is to take a look at what's online in the world of knitting and to see where knitting meets the online community um, and, uh, and all the delights that are to be found on the web at the moment um, with either explicit or, let's face it, quite tenuous connections to knitting. Um, but to start us off with, I thought, given what's been in the papers lately, it seems you can't throw a stick without hitting another article about Twitter. And uh, I thought any discussion of the internet at the moment should probably address this current phenomenon that a lot of people are talking about. Um, Twitter, as you probably know, but I better just say for those who don't, um, is a, uh, it's one of these social networking websites. Um, but the difference here is that it's based entirely on uh, what they call microblogging. Um, and it's a bit like the uh, status updates you get on Facebook or like sending a text message, and you have 140 characters in which to answer the question, what are you doing? So you sign up and on your page people can elect to follow your tweets. I should warn you now, anything with Twitter involves a whole lingo that makes you feel like a 
five-year-old trying to do potty training or something. It's just ridiculous, but bear with me. So if you Twitter, then you post tweets. And uh, you have various followers who, for reasons best known to themselves, um, decide to follow your every move, whatever it is you choose to tweet about. And equally, you can then follow other people. And uh, it may sound a bit bizarre, and um, to be fair, there are the uh, odd entries that people put up telling you that they're sitting at home and eating a donut. And, you know, really, does anybody care? Does anybody need to know that? But... Um, who knows? But uh, but it's not. It, it does go beyond that. And um, what it's really interesting for is is sharing information. And people post up links to websites, or they recommend blogs, or they share news items. You know, there's all kinds of information gets exchanged. And you can search for fellow Twitterers who um, you know are interested in the same things. So you can look for people who do crafting or knitting, um, and who also tweet. And the strange thing is that it's not actually as as uh, sort of impersonal as, as you might think. People are quite critical of online sites and think it's all a bit faceless. Everyone's just behind a screen, and there's there's no real community. There's no real connection with everyone. It's all um, it's all just a sort of charade. But actually, I've been finding that, that there are some really interesting connections to be made. And you find that uh, you know people really do respond to things. I have about fifty six people following me at the moment. God only knows why, um, but uh, but they all seem perfectly perfectly pleasant folk. And um, you know I could be tweeting about uh, my current knitting project and how I was searching for buttons. I needed thirty two buttons for my owl's jumper, and uh, within moments I had various people tweeting me back recommending different button suppliers to try. Um, then I went in search of buttons to Liberties, of all places, where I found what I was looking for. And again, I mentioned this in a, in a tweet. Um, I was then slightly alarmed when, 12 hours later, the following morning, I had a tweet from Liberties. Not from the actual building itself, that would be a bit weird, but obviously Liberties employ somebody um, to Twitter from the haberdashery department at Liberties. And uh, they tweeted me back asking what I thought of the new layout in the haberdashery department, um, which I confess did slightly weird me out. Um, I, I sort of wondered whether Liberty were now monitoring my every movement and I was being stalked by a department store. Um, but another conversation evolved with a fellow knitter who was looking for some metallic yarn and we swapped some ideas and some places she might look for it. Um, and then a very nice thing actually just happened a couple of days ago, which is that I happened to post on Twitter that I was looking forward to going to the Hoxton Knit Night on Tuesday. And... Um, uh, a fellow Twitterer picked up on this and asked for some more information and it turns out she lives just down the road and would love to come along to the knitting group and is, is just learning to knit and um, so she's going to come by next week and you know I will obviously meet her in person um, so it, it does go beyond just um, a sort of faceless online uh, screen um, and it, it's great you know I've discovered some fantastic blogs some very funny and bizarre sights and sounds and uh, I really enjoy it I mean admittedly you know it's obviously not for everybody but I think it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of knitters on there there's a lot of people who sell um, their designs through Etsy and that sort of thing um, places like the Make Lounge are on there um, the Stitch and Bitch London is on there the Yarn Harlot tweets um, so there's lots of people giving it a go and it, it makes for you know there's a, lo a lot of fun and uh, it is a bit dangerous though it's yet another way to um uh, quietly waste your tea break at work and sort of just uh, yes, not really be doing what you're meant to be doing let's face it um, but uh, it's a lot of fun and I, I recommend if you haven't had a look 
um, then, then go and have a look around. You don't have to sign up and you don't have to tweet yourself to be able to, to look around. Um, and obviously there's been a lot of talk with all the celebrities who are on there at the moment, people like Stephen Fry, who has 350,000 followers at the moment. And uh, I'm sure he's longing for the days, you know, sort of three years ago when it was new. And I think he had about 300 followers who were more of the, uh, you know, technophile variety like himself. And he's now been inundated. And I, I suspect a lot of people, let's face it, uh, really just hoping to get General Melchett to come along and open their village fate. I'm not entirely sure that they're quite embracing the technology in the way that he does. But um, so it has all slightly, slightly mushroomed. And I'm sure eventually we'll die down slightly you know these things always get talked about and whipped into a frenzy and then it, it settles down with the people who are actually using it but uh, so it'll be interesting to see what what happens and, and how it evolves but as i say if you haven't seen it already then then do take a look and um, have a rummage around and and see what you find In other online distractions and uh, ways to uh, to pretend you're working when you're not really, um, I've got a few other sites to, to recommend. I confess none of them are particularly new. Some of them started several years ago, and I'm, I'm sure you've come across them at one time or another. But they're, they're a small collection that, uh, that I confess I treasure, because there are moments when you're knitting where you slightly despair of what you're working on. Even if it's not that complicated, there often comes a point where you just think, well, I'm rubbish. It's all going wrong. I've had to rip this row back six times and you're throwing your needles across the room and the whole thing is a big tangled mess. And you can look online and see the Yarn Harlot or Brooklyn Tweed with their beautifully photographed, complicated lace work or some stunning jumper. And, you know, you can start to feel a little bit inferior and uh, you can start to doubt your own knitting abilities and you start to compare yourselves to designers or you might be flicking through the the Rowan magazine and uh, and just you know start to think maybe your knitting's not ambitious enough or you know maybe you're just doing everything wrong anyway so if this moment of self-doubt should strike I highly recommend you take a look at one of the following um, the first up is uh, is called what not to knit uh, obviously borrowing something from Trini and Susanna, I expect. And uh, as the title suggests, it's, uh, it's, it's documenting things that no one should knit. And yet somebody somewhere out there has done so. And uh, the site takes great delight in posting photographs of the most ridiculous knitting projects you can possibly imagine. And then uh, ripping them to shreds with lots of amusing, snarky comments. And these are the things that give knitting a bad name. Anybody who looks at you a bit weird, if they think, you know, when you tell them that you're a knitter, um, this is often the type of thing that they're thinking of. And uh, there are some gems on there. And, you know, one look at this and you will realise that actually your knitting is fabulous and you make beautiful things and it's all okay. And, uh, you know, that you, a, it can give you a nice little bit of a boost, I think, a bit of a confidence boost. Um, so some of the, the things on display, I mean, I, like I said, I recommend taking a look at the site yourself. But um, there are some truly amazing things from, from a very odd knitted hood that goes down over the shoulders in a very chunky yarn. And, uh, you know, as, uh, as the website points out, it sort of looks as if it's missing the rest of the jumper. And when on earth would you wear it? It's not as if you could pop it on when it rains. I mean, it's, it's, and it's so hideously ugly in a very unattractive shade of beige. 
Then there are just some bizarre ideas. I mean, somebody has actually knitted a, a, a knitted uh, candle holder. Let's just think for a moment about the health and safety implications of that particular idea. Obviously, you know, somebody is a, a, a few sandwiches short of a picnic with that one. So, so not the best idea anybody has ever had. Um, there's another one which has the charming title on this particular post of foreskin. Um, yes, without wishing to be crude, but essentially these three poor helpless women appear to be trapped in what you could charitably describe as a sort of knitted sleeping bag or a knitted, I don't know, it does just bring to mind some sort of knitted condom. It's just wrong. Um, and it's, it's in a sort of fun, fur, fluffy, mohair-looking type monstrosity. And it's just bizarre. It slightly brings to mind those um, uh, things, something I saw online recently, which wasn't knitted, but was um, uh, a garment that was basically a blanket with sleeves, which uh, people were supposed to sort of, if you were sitting on your sofa and, and cold at home, you could put this thing on. But it was just so hideously ugly. And just or, or only your face is peeping through. And it does just look like you're some strange sort of hibernating caterpillar. I mean, it's one of the least attractive things anybody could ever put on. Um, and the knitted versions are just very, very wrong. So what not to knit is a lot of fun. Um, the other site that has largely the same idea um, is called You Knit What? as in an exclamation of horror and despair that anybody has knitted these items. Um, and this was a site that was started several years ago and then um, uh, abandoned briefly because I, I think, you know, that whoever was running it, you know, didn't have time and it, it was, it was um, you know, eating into their life, I think. So they stopped. And then it got relaunched. And I'm not sure. So it's Unit What Part 2 is what I'm looking at at the moment. And um, I'm not sure, actually, if it's, if it's the same person or if somebody else has, has taken up the baton. Um, but either way, it, it, it's very, very entertaining stuff. Um, the most recent entry at the moment is uh, a bizarre concoction. Um, it's a sweater where the body and the shoulders um, are essentially a doily. I mean, you wouldn't really even need to knit it. It just looks like somebody has cut up a giant doily or their grandmother's tablecloth. Um, and it's in a very, you know, open weave, fine lace, white knitting um, with some strategically placed round doilies in the areas you would expect for decency, um, which just look completely stupid. But what is even more crazy is that the sleeves um, are knitted in, in entirely different material and they appear to be in quite a chunky mohair fluffy white yarn. So you have a doily round your body and uh, sort of 80s leg warmers on your arms. And just why? Why? It's completely bizarre. Um, so a very, very odd one. Um, also on this one, quite a lot of, of high-end fashion knitting comes in for ridicule. Um, but then so much of, of that very sort of high-end stuff is, is not really meant to be worn, is it? It's almost, um, I mean, in this one, it, it's looking almost like some sort of knitted sculpture that Tilda Swinton appears to be perched on top of. It's very odd. Um, so they're a lot of fun, and they actually bring to mind um, that there's another site which has now evolved into a book, um, which was the Museum of Kitschy Stitches. And my brother gave me, as a gift once, he gave me uh, the book of this, which is written by Stitchy McYarn Pants. Um, I'm guessing that's not what her mother calls her, but um, a fabulous name, nevertheless. 
And as the title suggests, it's a fabulous catalogue of some truly dreadful knitwear with some very, very funny commentary. And uh, if you're looking for a gift for a knitter um, or just for a bit of a giggle, then uh, I can definitely recommend this one. In this particular book, you see that the 70s have a lot to answer for in this category. Um, there's an awful lot of uh, very brightly coloured crochet going on. So th this one is, is definitely harsher, I think, on the crochet as well as the knitting. And deservedly so. I mean, there are some true, true horrors in there. Um, some very brightly coloured crocheted hot pants anyone? Very practical, I'm sure. Um, some very strange looking crocheted sort of tabard. You have a front, you have a back, but no sides. A little bit on the drafty side, but uh, but the model doesn't really feel the need to, to wear much more than a bikini underneath, so presumably more of a holiday item than something you'd wear to the office. Um, but my particular favourite in the book, actually, as, as well as uh, some truly just mons monstrous designs in uh, huge shaggy fun fur that make these people look as if they're going to some sort of fancy dress party as a yeti um but aside from that there's a wonderful one which is uh, it's a dress and to start with you you know nothing wrong with that it's a very um plain fairly boring beige knitted dress just all in stockinette with long sleeves and a v-neck and it's just completely completely plain in terms of the structure but what they've decided to do to make it a little bit more interesting and uh, to give themselves a lot more work is a whole load of uh, of intarsia there's all the sort of ferrile um to give the illusion that it's a wrap dress so if you can picture this the dress is beige and then the uh, the ferrile is is in a, a dark brown to give the illusion of, of stitches outlining the folds of this wrap dress where the two ends of the fabric would meet. There's then a fake uh, Fair Isle um, uh, wrap belt that ties around the waist or, you know, appears to. Um, there's also uh, uh, an intarsia pocket with a fake handkerchief sprouting out of the top of it. And this is all just sewn in. So it just looks as if you've knitted a dress and then somebody has drawn on it for you. And again, just why? Why would you do that? And the hours it must take to knit these things. I mean, most of these projects tend to be huge and often complicated and a, a massive amount of work to actually execute. And you just think somebody has devoted hours and hours of their lives to creating something that is just the ugliest thing you've ever seen. The other thing that comes in for a lot of ridicule in these books and, and websites, it has to be said, there's a lot of matching outfits. You know the ones I mean, those his and hers sweaters. Uh, there's also uh, a lot of ones that sort of father-son combos, you know, little and large. And some of those, quite frankly, are just bordering on child abuse. Uh, they're just plain wrong. Um, so very entertaining and uh, a, a more light-hearted look at uh, what's available online for you to knit. Just uh, don't say I didn't warn you. So, in the interest of actually trying to get this working and online and up and running, I'm going to leave it there and uh, keep it short and sweet for this first episode. Um, feel free to email me with any comments or suggestions or uh, things you think might be good to podcast. Uh, you can reach me via the Hoxton Handmade uh, blog or you can simply email me on hoxtonhandmade at gmail.com. Um, and thanks very much for listening.